0: These companies were not building businesses, they were building assets, which they were going to sell to the next highest bidder through M&A or whatever. They weren't really built to stay. And so as long as you're profitable, you get to stay in business next year and you get to see what happens next. And I just saw all these companies come and go, even though they were well capitalized, all of a sudden companies wash out.
1: Welcome back to the show, and today I'm so excited to have with us Jason Freed, because let's face it, if you don't know who he is, you should. So Jason, will you tell us who you are, and what kind of problem would you set out to solve in your last business?
0: Sure. So uh, my name is Jason Freed. Yeah, I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called 37 Signals, and we started back in 1999. So we've been doing this for almost 25 years, getting getting up on, on 25 um, Woo. we make, we're, we're, known for making <clears throat> Basecamp, which is a project management tool and also Hey.com with H E Y.com, which is an email service, written some books, it. rework. It doesn't have to be crazy at work, remote, getting real shape up, done a bunch of stuff like that. But, um, we're also I known for you say that.
1: So casually, that's like <laughs> oh, six well, books right there. This
0: is what we've been doing <laughs> for 20, 25 years, <laughs> staying busy. And we've also kind of run, try to run a, a like an unusual company. We, we're fully remote. Yeah. We have been remote forever, basically. Um, we we don't take outside money, so we're bootstrapped. Um, wow. And we're we're like kind of slow growers in a sense. Like we're just all about steady, consistent growth over time, versus right. trying to hockey stick or you know do something really rapid. So we're very much into consistent steadiness. Uh, And then just compounding interest, essentially, just compound and compound a little bit every year. And, you know, you stay in business and be profitable and great things can happen. So that's sort of our general background.
1: You know, most bootstrappers are that way. And for those of you who don't know Basecamp and aren't familiar with, hey, I mean, first of all, anyone with a three digit dot com is uh, (laughs) is pretty awesome, (laughs) just so you know, but back in the day. That was not easy to get. (laughs) No, I bet not. (laughs) I bet not. But I mean, back in the day, like 1999, I remember I started a business in 1999. And, um, and that, that actually wasn't long after that where we investigated Basecamp and we were trying to use it as a project management tool. We had a service-based company. But 1999 was a crazy time to start businesses. Dot-coms were coming and going. Everyone was exploding and everyone was blowing up like at the same time. And it was really odd. How did you decide to bootstrap when everybody else was raising crazy money at that time?
0: Yeah. So when we first started, we were a web design company. So we weren't making software yet. We didn't make okay. Basecamp the software product till 2004.
1: Okay. But we were doing a
0: website design for hire. And it was four of us. And um, like there was just four of us. And we had enough clients <laughs> to pay for our four salaries. And we right. pitched in $10,000 each. So we had... Actually, three of us did because we had there's three founders and one employee. So we had right. thirty thousand bucks. We had a client or two who was paying us something. We had very little expenses. We were just borrowing someone else's office space. And right. raising money wasn't even something we considered because I wouldn't have known what to do with the money, frankly. Second of all, no one would have given <laughs> right. us any money. We were a web design firm. They weren't really spending money on web design firms at the time. But yeah, everyone around us and all the clients we were working for were raising a bunch of money. And I saw the craziness. I saw this world of it it was nonsensical to me, frankly. Like, I don't understand why you just got three million bucks. You don't even know. Right. Like, you have no customers. You don't have a product (laughs) to sell. The thing you're giving away is free. Like, what? You know, so it doesn't make
1: sense. Yeah.
0: It didn't make sense. So we just saw this. World, and it kept me very honest about it, which is like I don't want to enter that world because I saw the amount of pressure people were under to hit yeah. targets that other people set for them. I've never been somebody who wants to hit someone else's targets. I'm just not interested right. in right. that, right? Right. But so, in, in 2001 came, and then there was a dot com crash, and a lot of people got washed right. out, and you know this happened again and again. It happens, you know, every eight, ten years. Yeah, whatever. So we've been through years, a few yeah. trends, but yeah. um. Yeah, for us, it just wasn't even an option. didn't make any sense then. It doesn't make any sense now. And we're self-funded and and loving. it.
1: Love it. And you're still self-funded.
0: Still. I mean, so for us, independence is the most valuable thing that we have. And there's only one way to lose that, which is to raise money from somebody else. Um, Right. Now, for full disclosure, because people bring this up. In 2006, we took some money from Jeff Bezos, um, who bought some founder shares from me and David. So that money okay. went to us. It did not go into the business. The business has never been funded by anybody other than our customers. But David and I took a little bit of risk off the table in right. the mid 2000s. Um, but yeah, 100% customer funded. And it's the most fun way to run a business. I just love the I love it. independence you get from that.
1: Well, and and one thing that I've always respected about you and your business is the fact that you are so community driven. and And a lot of people don't really understand what that means nowadays. Now, you guys were very early at this. As you mentioned, always working remotely, always working uh, very community-based. And so tell us about that decision and, and how that impacted the way you grew your business. Because a lot of people out there are, are kind of unsure about doing that. It's like, no, I know what my customer wants, but you guys actually like reached out quite a bit to your community Yeah,
0: we, We've always been big into sharing. And I took this inspiration from chefs So chefs, strange place to take inspiration for a software business, but (laughs) chefs write cookbooks and they sell or give away the recipes. And you'd think, why would they give away like what they do?
1: Yeah. Like someone's going to buy their
0: cookbook and then open a restaurant next to them and put them out of business. Like everyone knows that's ridiculous. But in the business world, every business, especially growing up in this world was like so tight that everyone was afraid to share, afraid to engage people, afraid to ask for people's opinions, afraid to talk to their customers openly and honestly. And we just, it never made sense to us. I'd rather be like a chef, like, Hey, here's our cookbook. Here's our stuff. So we wrote books, which were essentially our recipes for how we do business. We've had a blog for since 99, 2000 that had open comments. So people could comment been very you know open on Twitter and LinkedIn and different platforms just talking to people and sharing our points of view and disagreeing when we would disagree, agreeing when we agree, pushing back, getting pushed back on. but we're very much involved in the community because um, that's that's where our customers are. That's who our customers are and that's what we want to be, who we want to be, what we want to do. And you know the other side effect of this is that we don't have a marketing budget really. We spend a little right. bit but barely anything all things considered. And this is wonderful marketing. Just being visible, being accessible, being engaged is, and right. sharing is, is a great way to get the word out. Uh,
1: no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And and that's uh, that's something we're seeing a lot of people having a lot of impact, just sharing what they know. And and I I like you, uh, similar age, uh, I think, the same range. Yep. And and as I was starting early businesses in the dot coms, I was always scared to death to tell anybody what I was doing because. It seemed like the minute you did, somebody would go raise three million bucks, like you mentioned, and they were way ahead of you all of a sudden. But then they would tank and and, and we kept going. It there you was go. a really interesting pattern. And well, it's I, funny. I'm noticing by the... Yeah, go ahead.
0: It's, I was just going to say, like, we saw that same pattern, right? Which is, yeah. which is you know, we launched something and then someone else launches something bigger and everyone's like, how are you going to beat them? They're going to raise all this money. It's like, they're going to be out of business in three years. Just wait. Like, that's right. always my... Just wait. Seriously? Because these companies were not building businesses, they were right. building assets, which they were going to sell to the next highest bidder through m or whatever. They weren't really built to stay. Totally. totally. And so as long as you're profitable, which we've always been every year for 24 yeah. years now, um, yeah. you get to stay in business next year and you get to see what happens next. And I just saw all these companies come and go, even though they were well capitalized, they didn't make any money, they kept hemorrhaging money. And then when the right. bad times or in the good times, And in the bad times come when money's hard to get, like right now, people can't really raise money right now. Things are not good in that world. All of a sudden, companies wash out who thought, who were just the biggest thing in the world two years ago. So patience, um, uh, profitability, uh, and sticking around is a great way to outlast your competitors.
1: Well, and I love the, the, uh, and I'm not sure this is the chronological order of your books, but, you know, getting real, rework, remote. Uh, It doesn't have to be crazy at work. Like It sounds like this is a story of your growth cycle in your company. Yeah, How accurate is that? And and tell us about what information were you giving out at different stages and why did you feel like the world needed to hear that?
0: Yeah, so first of all, you got that order correct. Um, Good. Getting Real was our first book that was a little bit more technically minded, a little bit more for software developers because that's who we really were at the time. We were making Basecamp and we wanted to share our methods right. for how to build software in a different way. We had a very different point of view on it. That was self-published. Rework was our first gotcha. major published book, and that was broader in scope. That was more about how to run a business, not just how to make software. It wasn't about software. It was about business in general, which had a broader right. audience. We had more lessons under our belt by that time. That was 2010, so we'd been doing this for over a decade at that point. And so right. we just had more to say that was more applicable to more people, uh, and then we've been working remotely for so long that we wrote remote totally. after that. And that was really early, really early. I think that was totally early. 2000, um, I don't know, 13 or so. I forget when that came out, whatever. But yeah. it was very early. Um, and uh, we just, everyone kept asking us, how do you do remote work? And we're like, Here, let's just write a book about it because everyone's asking us. <laughs> so some of this stuff is driven awesome. out of the community. People want to know something. We, we have something to say yeah. about this. We have enough to say that we can put this in a book. And yeah. then, um, it doesn't have to be crazy at work, which is our latest major published book is, yeah. is about this world we're living in right now where everyone's distracted. Everything's ASAP. Everyone's trying to run super fast all the time. Um, and if you ask people what it's like at work, they're going to be like, it's crazy at work. And that used to be this, yeah. this point of pride, but I don't think so. Totally. So we totally. want to push back on that whole thing and say, it should be calm. Run a calm yeah. company. Uh, and it doesn't have to be crazy like this. So you don't have to be working on the weekends. You have to be in meetings all day. You don't have to be doing this and distracting and being pulled off this and being pulled on that and all Mm -hmm. the things, it can be a calmer place to work, a calmer environment, and you can make just as much progress, if not more, if you have things under control that way. So we kind of shared those lessons and then shape up, which is our latest book is, um, our latest, we self-published this book is all about our methodology for how we build software now which is different huh. than getting real. Getting real is a bit more conceptual, and this is a bit more practical. So we just share things as time goes on for what we think we have that's, that's worth sharing. I
1: love there's it. There's no schedule. It.
0: It's not like every five no, years that's we do. okay. It just, when it happens, it happens. The same thing is true for blog posts or writing on LinkedIn or Twitter. We don't have a, there's no publication schedule. We just, when we have something to say, we say it. And sometimes it's three, four things a week. Sometimes it's one thing every three weeks. Sometimes it's right. 12 things a day. I don't know. It just, When we have something to say, it comes out and that's just how it gets out there.
1: It's awesome. I just wanted to take a few seconds to tell you about a program that we have assembled with a lot of our podcast guests and a lot of people who are listening to the show who are feeling the same way that they do. There's a recurring theme. You'll hear a lot of these founders talk about, I couldn't have done it without my team. I couldn't have done it without a a support group of peers. I couldn't have done it without having someone to talk to that understood my feeling of isolation as an operator of my business. You see, you're not alone. It is hard running a business and it's even harder when you know you can't express all your deepest concerns and frustrations with your executive team. It makes them nervous. It gets them scared. You don't want scared people on your executive team. So where do you turn? The Captain's Council is where you turn. The Captain's Council, it is an organization that we are put together with podcast guests, as well as people who are listening, who are in the same boat. You see, peers are the only ones that can give you the type of empathy, the type of advice that only a founder or operator know and understand. Go check it out at captainscouncil.com. I know you're gonna love what you see there we have put together an organizational structure that has small group settings a global community of founders and operators as well as monthly and quarterly in-person events you're gonna love what you see there i can't wait for you to check it out and enjoy the rest of this episode it's awesome i know you have a very loyal fan base a very loyal user base and and so, you know, when a lot of people talk about growing their business, whether it's SaaS or, or other, other dev type tools and things like that, you know, they, they often say, you know, the riches are in the niches. And as you keep within that very tight workflow that you guys have tried to produce over the years, you keep and sustain very loyal customers during that time. Now, what was the move and what triggered you to start, hey... And and what was kind of the motivation behind that? Because a lot of people get nervous to branch off of their core product and start something new. What totally. Happened so
0: there? we so we initially had Basecamp, and then we had we built four other major products. This was back okay. in the mid 2000s. So we had Basecamp, then we had something called Backpack, then we had something called Campfire, then we had something called Highrise. So we'd been down this path of making multiple things at once.
1: Kind of remember. We then realized.
0: Happened. A decade ago or so, not quite, but uh, that like we can't actually build all these things at once and do them well. The world has changed in that now everyone has, you need mobile apps on on iOS and Android and a web app and it's like one product is four products, four times four, 16, too many code bases, too many things, right? So we dialed all back to Basecamp, went all in on Basecamp for a number of years. And then we just had this itch a few years ago that- There's two things. We run our entire business on Basecamp, all of our internal communication, project tracking, tasks, discussions, conversations, everything's in one platform. But there was one other thing that we did as a company. When we talked to the outside world, we did it via email. Vendors, accountants, lawyers, PR, booking a podcast, right? It's email. And we just realized like email sucks, but email's Beautiful at its core. Email is a wonderful thing, but it had sort of been forgotten. Like Gmail hadn't been launched. uh, Gmail was launched 16 years prior to when Hay launched. That was the last time email was exciting. And I remember that launch. It was so exciting. And Gmail is a great product, but nothing nothing has happened in that world. And we, we thought we had a new set of ideas for how much better email could be. Still has the fundamentals there, but has a whole new take. And we felt like, look, you know what? We want to live in the tools that we build. We're using someone else's tool for all of our external communication. We can do a better job. So let's build that.
1: Interesting. So we built that
0: for ourselves and then yeah, released it for everybody it. else. And it turned out right. to be a much bigger hit than we ever anticipated. Um, but uh, now, now we have like the tools covered, like Basecamp's for internal, Hayes for external. And, and now we feel like we've got two great points of view on the things that we use every day.
1: I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and the name, I mean, what? Why, why the big importance on such a short domain?
0: So f- pretty much forever, I've always started my emails with hey. So I'd be <laughs> like, hey, Todd, hey, Jim, right. hey, S- hey, Sally, whatever it would be, right? Right, um, right? And so I've always liked that, first of all. Hey is this very conversational thing. And because yeah. it's an email service and not a client, it's not a client that sits on top of Gmail, it's a full-blown service. Everyone who signs up gets an at hey.com domain name. So the domain name mattered a lot. We felt like it mattered a lot because you're going to be getting this email address. And Gmail was a short domain name, but hey is even shorter. And so it was a really exciting thing for people to get an at hey.com. So uh, we had to pull that off. It wasn't wasn't cheap and it wasn't a short process, but um, we made that happen. And um, it was worth it. It was one of those things where you look at the number, you're like, this is ridiculous. To spend on a domain i can't share what the number was but i'm like this is silly <laughs> but at the end of the day it's like you know what these are the kinds of things that are fun to spend on i'm not right, going to blow right, a bunch right. of money on this but i will spend this is an investment it makes sense it's to us investment. it's a silly number but it, it it kind of it's the bow it's the it's the bow on top it just makes it all sure. come together so we felt like it was worth doing
1: that's cool yeah it's awesome yeah so now now as you did all this and you guys you know did you keep so you stayed with the same core three Three, a team of three, and then just kind of built up from there. Uh, tell us about the structure. I mean, how did this all kind of evolve over the years? That's a yes. long time for a partnership to stay active.
0: It is. So yeah, David and I have been together. Well, my first, I had first originally had two different partners. I, I had it was me, a fellow named Ernest, and a guy named Carlos. These were the we we're the gotcha. first three people who started the business in '99. Carlos left about a year in. Ernest a few years later, and I was on my own for a little bit, and then I met David. And so David's now—he's not technically a co-founder, but he—he he is right. all intents and purposes, right? He's been around 20 right, years. Right, we worked right. together. Um, but yeah, we we started out as four people basically, uh, and then we have about 80 people today. We're the biggest we've ever been, but we've kept nice. our company intentionally small. If you look That's at nice. most of the companies we compete with, companies like Asana or Monday right. or ClickUp, ClickUp. Or, like, or or uh, Atlassian or. These companies have thousands, many thousands of employees. Um, right. Massive budgets. You know, th- their teams are bigger than our entire company. You know, sure. we've kept our company sure. intentionally as small as we can, and we've been for the most most of our lives like under thirty people actually, and we just got to about eighty over wow. the past couple of years. We sort of doubled basically in the past year and a half or two years. Um, Interesting. But this is the reason why is because we want to be able to do multiple things at once again. So we want to be able to build Basecamp, improve Basecamp on multiple platforms at once. Hey, we have two more products we're working on right now. So we're going to get back to building more products again. And we need to have a team that can do all that at the same time versus before we just only be able to work on one thing at a time, have to put that aside to go work on something else. So that doesn't really work. Um, But yeah, we've grown slowly and carefully over 25 years, roughly 25, and uh, um, never getting ahead of ourselves, never hiring someone we can't afford. Never right, hiring someone right. we think we might need. We only hire people what, when it hurts, is what we say. We try to do the job <laughs> first ourselves. And then right. when we can't do it anymore, it's time to bring someone else on. That's the you know, philosophy.
1: I, so. I, th- I think that uh, that, whole, that whole mindset that you got right there is very much uh, a sign of your time and my time. Uh, I've always been the same way, the way I hire and the way that I, I build. But sometimes I, I second guess myself and I think, man. Am I stupid for doing it this way? Because I look at this guy who just raised money and did it effectively. And now he's scaled and exited by the time I got something launched. You know what I mean? If that's, How do you feel about that?
0: I mean, everyone's going to come up with their own thing and do their own thing. Right. So, I, you know, if you're trying to build a business to scale it and sell it, you're going to take a different approach True. than I'm going to take. True. My, my interest is like... I think if you get lucky once in life or in business, like you're lucky, like milk it. Yeah. I mean, frankly, milk it. It's like lightning strikes. Right. So I love what I do. um, Not every day, but overall. And um, we love being independent. We love putting putting our own books out there, our own ideas out there, our own products out there. I love the people I work with. We've got a great crew. Why would I want to give that up? Like, I'm not interested in exiting. I have no interest in exit. We don't have an exit plan. I want to stay in business, not get out of business. But if you're someone who wants to, or you're a serial entrepreneur, I'm a very non-serial entrepreneur. Like I will do this business for as long as I can. And then I will probably never, ever start another business again. Like (laughs) this is the only business I want to run. And I want to still do
1: it. That's great. It's my day job.
0: It's great to be able to make your own day job, which is essentially what running your own company is. And so, but some people like to build and sell and build and sell and build and sell. So for them, This model doesn't work as well as maybe raising a bunch of money and then finding someone to buy it at some high valuation and showing gross numbers that aren't sustainable forever, but short enough period of time that it's exciting and someone wants to buy the company. You just got to figure out what you want to do. What's important though, and this is one of the reasons we put our books out and our ideas out, is that that way, which is the popular uh, way on social media and in, in entrepreneurial circles, which is like, Build big, raise a bunch of money, get big unicorn thing. Totally. Like totally. that is one way, but by the way, the odds are so stacked against you that that's ever going to work. But it seems like right. that's the only way to do it. We want to make sure there's a clear alternative out there, which is our way, which is not just ours, but bootstrapping, Sure. growing sure. thoughtfully, being profitable, making more money than you spend. Right. Someone right. needs to stand as the as the model example of that. And there's many companies we're contributing to that model, hopefully, and. Yeah, I love um, it. It's important that people see that it doesn't have to be the like your friend's way. That's one way.
1: But yeah, no, no, no. You know, and and yeah. it's so interesting because, <clears throat> probably like you, I've been asked to speak at a lot of, you know, like at my alma mater, uh, speaking to students about entrepreneurship and business growth and that kind of stuff. And every time I do, I see these kids coming to school and they're in an entrepreneurial program and literally they're, they're taught to immediately raise money almost before the idea is, is realized. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no customer base, there's no nothing. I'm thinking, who is teaching you guys how to be an entrepreneur and thinking like <laughs> yeah. that? You know what I mean? It blows my mind. And so I love hearing people it's like It's irresponsible,
0: you. isn't it, a bit I, in business I
1: think schools? it is too. Yeah. I think it's irresponsible too.
0: Yeah, uh, I agree. And it really crazy. frustrates me. And I speak to a lot of universities and I, I get upset. I mean, in a supportive way, but I'm like- Totally. Everyone in this class, you need to like, very few people are going to be able to build a business, raise a bunch of money, and sell it for a bunch of money. That's like such an outlier. Like right, the right, best right. chance you're going to have is to build a business that makes more money than it spends. It gets a sustained business. Like, like I always say, like the pizza shop totally. down the, down the corner, down the street. Like they're not trying to sell pizzas at a loss. They're trying to sell pizzas <laughs> at a profit. Like build a business like the local pizza shop. The dry 100%. cleaners not selling or, or cleaning your shirts at a loss. They need to put money on food in the table and money in their bank account and save for retirement. Like build a a solid, sustainable, basic business one-on-one kind of business. And you're going to have a much better shot as hard as it all is because most businesses don't make it anyway. But you can really increase your odds if you just kind of keep it within your means and grow smartly, grow thoughtfully. Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't put yourself in a bind, you know? Right. Yeah.
1: Solve a problem that people need a, a, a solution for, and you've got yourself a business. Yeah, and take cases. good
0: care of people and, and don't have too many people. Do, watch your costs. This is the other thing people don't talk about, and they never talk about it in business Agreed.
1: Agreed. Like, they also
0: about raising money and evaluations. Now, how about your costs? Let's keep your costs in check here. That's the thing that gets out of control oftentimes. And that's what really hurts a lot of companies. They don't even look at their costs until, because they're right. spending other people's money. So they don't care about the cost because there's more free money they can just pull. Seriously. But there's some point there isn't free money. And then you got to keep your costs in check. And if you're not good at that, by the time you need to do it, you're in deep trouble.
1: It It is amazing. And it's amazing what VCs teach their people to do. And that is just, I'm giving you $5 million, spend it as fast as you can, and we'll get the next raise. We'll you so. know? That's their model. They cash out.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's their business model. And and like I don't blame them for that. That's their right. model. It's more the right. entrepreneurs who need to say like what's in it for me? Cuz I know what's in it for the VC 100%. firm to give me money and have me spend it all and then I have to come back for more and then I have to lose more of my company and it become more diluted right. and and then at the end right. of the day like I now I only own 8% of this thing. They own 92 and they sell Crazy. for a big number and they get the majority. Of the, i put in all the work. They get, they get the majority of the payout. They get like, everything. Wait a second, yeah. you know? So
1: that's awesome. Yeah. Yep. Well, my goodness, Jason, I love this conversation. Uh, I honestly, mad respect for what you've done. And for those of you listening who are are nervous that you're the only bootstrapper out there, <laughs> may I tell you that Jason and I are both phenomenal bootstrappers. I think we both have had the success, the life we wanted to live at the pace we want to live it, make time for the family, make time for the things that are important to you and don't feel like you need to be beholden to somebody every time you raise money you now become beholden to that person and and as you enter let those people enter your life don't be surprised if you lose some control and so i, I just think that that you've proven the model you know 25 years running the same company seeing continual growth and and i applaud you for the last couple of years of of growth and development into these new products because you know <laughs> I think you've got some loyal fans, loyal customers, but I bet, they've been, I bet they've been hitting you up for changes for a few years now. So as you adapt to their needs, I just love what you're doing. Thank you for doing it. Well, thank
0: you. It's, it's a lot of fun. And, and really, ultimately, business should be one of the most fun things you do. And unfortunately, it tends to be one of the most stressful things for most people. And I think part right. of it is the situations they put themselves in. Now, I'm not talking about someone who has to work a job for Agreed. someone they don't like and you don't have much choice. I get that. But for entrepreneurs, right. this is really an exercise in independence. Um, yet so many people become so dependent so quickly and then they totally. lose control of their own business and they just end up, I've seen it so many times, totally. they just end up stressed out, cashed out, frustrated. And they wish they could have it back, but now you can't. And then they're working for someone else. And the whole point of going into business for yourself was not to work for someone else, but now they are because they're working for a VC or whatever. It's crazy. It, it's it, it's, but it's it's very enticing, right? Someone's got this. Here's a here's a big check. It's like, right. Ah, amazing. I'll take it. You know, who's going to write me a check for a million bucks? Well, this guy will. And then, but you don't really realize <laughs> totally. what it costs you. That's the thing. To keep
1: Golden doing. handcuffs are still handcuffs.
0: They're still handcuffs. <laughs> That's right. That's right.
1: Well, Jason. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. And, and before you go, I always ask if, if there's been somebody who's kind of been that shoulder to lean on, that that person that's kind of mentored you or group of people that have helped you kind of get to where you're at today, who would you like to give that shout out to today?
0: So one of my very, very, very first customers ever was before I was even running this business. I was a freelancer. In in high school, making software for myself. I was music organizing software. I had a music collection, tapes, CDs. I was loaning them out to friends. And then I'd never get them back. So I made this software to organize like what I gave. to. Been there,
1: done that. Anyway, I
0: put this up on AOL. So this is pre-internet. And (laughs) uh, eventually this this fellow named Richard Bird um, bought it. And Richard and I have stayed in touch for close to 30 years now. Uh, We used to talk. We talk less these days few times a year now, but we used to talk right. for, for many, 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 many years daily every other day. Wow. He had a, a wow. wonderful graphic design company making pro- product packaging design. I was doing graphic design and he really sort of mentored me and and was always a shoulder to, to, to lean on and talk about business. Um, love it. And a uh, special guy, really special guy. So thank you, Richard Byrd.
1: Love it. Love it. And what a fantastic shout out, Jason. What a fantastic company. What a, what a journey. I, I love Thank you. You know, your whole analogy of your entire business, uh, as I've watched it, has been about climbing the mountain. And uh, and I love that you are climbing this mountain. You're still on the mountain. Got to be just looking for new peaks to get on top of. But <laughs> awesome work and way to way to keep you to, true to your uh, to your brand and to your theme. Way to go. Thank I appreciate you.
0: that. Thanks so much, Todd. It really, really means a lot. Thank you.
1: And for those of you out there wondering what your next step is, learn a lot from this you don't have to go for money you don't have to be that guy that that needs a new boss just be what you are and continue to find those people who follow you and and you'll have an amazing business like jason's built the last 25 years jealous you're still doing the same thing thanks so much for being here everybody we'll catch you on the next episode hey i hope you love that interview with jason what a fantastic guy so humble and yet has built such a such a solid foundation what a what an amazing business. What an amazing lifestyle he's built around his company, around his followers, and about his theme of climbing that mountain. And as you look into what Jason's done with his business, I highly suggest you go subscribe to, to both Basecamp and Hey. Check it out, see what it does differently, see how it can help your business grow. Jason spent some time talking about the community, community of customers, community of people that have helped him a community around someone who was one of his first buyers of product and maintained the relationship for this long i love 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 hearing about that for those of you that don't have a community that are feeling all alone as a founder out there maybe you've got a partner but maybe it's hard to talk to them about certain things there is a safe place to do this and we call it captainscouncil.com check it out at captainscouncil.com we bring ceos and founders together in a creative environment where eight to 12 members join together and form a council. This council is your your brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever you wanna call it, where you can feel safe and express the things that are going on in your business that you're not really sure how to solve. We all have them. We all have them. We all have areas we're trying to focus on and we get distracted. But when you're accountable to a council, a board of advisors, It feels like a board of advisors who are there to help you make the decisions that you need to make, make the right decisions that are going to help your business grow and keep you stabilized as a human being. Because sometimes being the boss isn't always comfortable. So stay true to who you are, straight to your business, check out captainscouncil.com. find that relationship, find those relationships you need with other active CEOs and founders who are building and growing their businesses. I promise it helps you. It makes you feel so much better about the way you build and grow. Check it out at captainscouncil.com. Being part of our podcast community is the first step of, of joining us on this journey. We are so glad to connect with you. Make sure you subscribe and help us build better content that's free, that's there for you to build and grow your business. And when you're ready, we'll see you in the Captain's Council. Thanks for being a part of the show. We'll see you on the next one.